This is the Blue Room. One hour, everything Everton. Radio City Talk. Good evening, welcome to the Blue Room on Radio City Talk with me, Peter McPartland. I'm joined in the studio by Matt Jones. Just the two of us again, Matt. Took about three goals each from Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> They've abandoned us again. I think, I think, um, I'm trying to think what Dave Bennett's doing tonight. I think he's going to see Smackdown. Oh, he loves his wrestling, doesn't he? Yeah. He, well, he, do, he says he doesn't love his wrestling. He says his missus loves his wrestling oh. and she takes him takes him with her. Ah, oh, um, okay. So, yes, make... You'll make just put the tally on tonight, you'll see him with, with a big sign yeah, there. Yeah, he'll have a big sign, a big yeah. foam finger. It's John Cena gear on it. Yeah. And all that. He loves it, he loves it, he loves it, <laughs> Dave. Uh, Dave Downey tells me he's having his first day off in two weeks. So, that's Poor lad, eh? Poor lad. lad. Can't, you know, this is not work, though, is it? This is not work. This is fun. <laughs> no, we don't get paid. Most of the time, yeah. We don't most get paid time, for it. Yeah. Um, obviously, coming up in the show, we'll be talking about Sunday's fantastic 6-2 victory over Sunland. Was it fantastic? <laughs> I don't know. Walking out the stadium was a bit weird um, after the 6-2 win. Uh, and also, we're looking forward to Saturday's game against West Ham. But uh, first of all, just, just a few little things I uh, wanted to bring up. Just, just you know, just to get us into the show. Um... Let's talk about this plane. Um, another one. Another another one. Another plane. Another plane that's in the news. Uh, a, a banner for Bill Kenwright to thank him for everything he's done for Everton Football Club. Um, <laughs> where do you think that's? Where do you think he has done something, or you haven't done something? Uh, this was a plane that basically has been. 97 people have donated the £700 needed. It's actually gone over £1,000, and fair play to the organisers. They've said they will give the rest of the money to um, Everton, the community. It's getting a lot of... Getting a lot of publicity because obviously you know we see a lot of we see a lot of banners having a go at people, um, and this is obviously a, a positive a positive banner. So, Matt, your thoughts <laughs> on this one? Uh, it's just kind of come from nowhere. This hasn't it? I didn't really see it. Anyone appealing for for the money for it or anything or, or saying oh we're, we're thinking of doing this? What what does everyone think? It just kind of cropped up from nowhere on on Monday and. Now they'll, they'll probably have two planes up there, one for, one against. Maybe, maybe like a few Spitfires on the end, having a, having a go at each other. Diff, like different the Battle of yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, if the game's rubbish, at least we'll have something sort of in the sky to look at. But now they're gonna have to turn uh, Goodison Road into a, a runway, aren't they? Oh, well, no, it's gonna uh, That's it. But no, it's, it's new grounds. Gonna new grounds. Gonna need a runway <laughs> <laughs> or a helipad. Something and a ta- like that, and yeah. A, yeah, and a tower, control yeah. tower. <laughs> But it, the, the sentiment's a nice one. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, I've not, I've not seen that much about it, so I, I'm not too clued up on it, but the the sentiment seems good, just, just wishing Bill Kenwright for, for, what he, for what he's done for the club. That's all well and good. Yeah. Um, you know, if people want to, if people have put the money forward towards it, they're, they're happy to, you know, when, when they had the, the banners earlier in the season, we said, mm. that, you know, we've got no issue with people putting the, the messages across. Same with this, really. Again, got got no issue, but it's it's just a bit weird the way getting a plane above the grounds become like the, the done thing, oh. and like you know, why just take a banner into the ground or yeah, something like a, that? It's, I mean, it's a bit strange. I, I suppose it, it. I suppose it creates it creates a tension before it's even happened, mm. doesn't it? It's like if you if you're gonna put a plane up there, it, it does automatically get headlines in the paper. And I know I've seen a few headlines today. It says you know Everton fans you know get together. Well, it's not. It's ninety seven <laughs> people, and if there's gonna be forty thousand in it for Villa, you know thirty seven thousand are gonna be Evertonians, and it's only ninety seven. But I um, suppose it's the same with the the banners that we've seen you know before the Southampton game and I thought before the um, was it the, it wasn't the City game. I can't remember the other game it was, but um, I suppose it's mm. the same at Chelsea game. I think it was. I suppose it's the same. As that it's it's a it's a group of people and, and as you've just said then listen it's their money 
And if this is what they want to do. Yeah. But I don't like... I don't like the idea that people put it out there that it's that it reflects all of our wishes. The guy who put it together, I think he said it was he wanted to reflect the sil- the silent majority. Well, ninety seven people yeah. isn't the silent majority, but it's the same on the, the flip side from the, the people who want were protesting. You know, I don't know what their numbers were either. Mm. But again, it's it, it, to be honest, right? Let's let's get this right. The, there's there's people who don't like. Bill Kenwright and there's people who do like Bill Kenwright mm. and sort of the majority falls in the middle where it's just like ugh, yeah, whatever it, do you know it, what yeah. I mean they can't they just can't be bo- they can't be bothered with it or mm. in one way or another and that that's the sad truth of things yeah because people a lot of people just want to go to the game don't they and enjoy the day watch the match have a few pints with their mates and, and they don't really want to delve into the the money side of the club and and, and look at the ownership and the finances and all and all those sorts of things and that's understandable that's what some people. You know, a lot of people have Everton as the as the lies and they're they're sort of a religion in a way, and and they go everywhere and they and they do a lot of things and and every single thing they do in, in the lives is basically centered around the club. But a lot of people are a lot more detached in, in that respect, and they want to be detached though. Exactly. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes not knowing stuff is actually good. <laughs> I've, I've I've you know I've took I've took the blue pill. I've gone down <laughs> I've gone down the rabbit hole. I've seen what's at the bottom of it, and I I thought nah, I'll, yeah. I'll plug myself back into the matrix. Thanks very much, mate. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm quite happy being in the Matrix. Um, but it's just, it's just funny as well. Like when the when the uh, the plane was going around there against the club, and everyone was going, "Oh, that's cop IP. Yeah, you're doing getting yeah. a plane going." And now it's yeah. the other way around. It's yeah. it's a lot of the same people who are kind of backtracking on it. So you, yeah, you know, just you've got to accept it all you have, basically. Yeah. Colin Fletcher's just got in touch with on Twitter and says, uh, "When skies are chocker," <laughs> <laughs> which, which basically sums up. That's but it, you can understand where the sentiment come from because we all seen uh, Bill Kenwright at Howard Kendall's funeral last mm. weekend. You know, he got up there and uh, you know his speech. His speech was it was it was it was good. It was a good speech. Mm. You know, considering that we all you know the rumours have been out there for a while, and I suppose we can address the rumours now because Bill said himself he's been ill. He has been to Goodison mm. for six months and and. Um, you know, he he said it himself, and to get up there and 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 do what he did, I thought I thought it was fantastic. Um, so you know that that's be true, but and all the speeches, you know, Peter Reed was to get up there and be so so composed and mm. be cracking jokes and everything, and and um, Joe Royals was a little bit sad, and then you seen Duncan Ferguson doing his reading, and it just that 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 one just brought a tear to me eye because yeah. it that that really was the uh, you know and and you know if anyone unaware when. When Duncan came back and he was starting his coaching career, Howard Kendall was his, you know, was his mentor. Mm. He really was. He, you know, he used to go around to his house and get advice off him. It wasn't just this manager who made, you know, made him the captain. This was he was his, he was his, he was a mentor as a coach. So that's where that comes from. And I remember going to see a Q and A in town before Howard Kendall's book launch was there, and and F- Duncan was there with Kevin Sheedy and you know the first couple of rows just there to listen and support. Mm. Uh, he didn't have to be there. It wasn't any kind of official event event or anything. Um, and he was there just listening and supporting and, and backing backing the man he's seen as his mentor. So that that was that was really upsetting seeing Duncan that way. Yeah, it, it, it was it was really yeah, the whole thing was done well, wasn't it? Classly and and it's something that uh, Everton tends to do really well. And we, on the show last week we were saying about how we we were looking forward to the Sunderland game and, and hoping that the club did something for that. And it was it was good to see his family out on the pitch before the game. Obviously in the in the fourth minute the the, the applause and then the reception and uh, yeah, you know it's great to see the Sunderland fans joining in singing along as well. So yeah. Great credit to the club and, and everyone for the, for the way it was all uh, all handled. 
Yeah, you mentioned the fourth minute thing. That's that's something we've seen from other clubs, and I think uh, you know the likes of the likes of um, West Brom still do it for for Jeff Astle. So it'd be interesting. You know, it was a na- nice thing to do, and I wonder, you know, could that that be a nice thing to do every game? I think every mm. home game, you know. <laughs> When it, it, it's it, at Goodison Park, can be it can be quiet at times, and we've even seen, for some reason, I'm not sure why, people on TV at the weekend questioning why the atmosphere was so bad. I didn't, that, <laughs> I didn't think the atmosphere was that, that bad. Yeah. I, to be honest, it was um, it was quiet at times, but it wasn't like it's been at sometimes. <laughs> and almost after, you know, the clap in the fourth minute also or, almost give us something to clap about yeah. and to clap for, and you know that 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 would I think that would be a nice gesture going forward for you know. For the time being, anyway. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if it carries on. I mean, a, a lot of clubs do it for, like you mentioned there, for for various reasons. I remember, remember Chelsea used to do it for Roberto Di Matteo when when he left, which is which is a bit <laughs> mad and, and stuff like that. But you know, <laughs> you'd yeah. be clapping every minute if, it was, if you did stuff like that. But no, no, it'd be interesting to see if it, if it carries on, and it'll be you know a, a nice little tribute, I suppose, wouldn't it? If Chelsea did a clap for every time a manager left, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they'd have a much better atmosphere. <laughs> I know that. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, we mentioned well, obviously we were, talking, we were here last week and we were given um, we were given Tim out <laughs> down the banks a little bit um, ahead of the game against Norwich last it's a blame week. culture then you know well yeah I'll talk about that in a minute <laughs> I'll talk about that in a minute um, you know we did we did, did give him down in the banks and we were talking about Joel Robles and how you know how important it was for him to, to take a chance you know whatever that means um how much you know how important it is to take his chance against knowledge last week and and I, i'll be honest after a little bit of a nervy start I, I thought he was fantastic yeah he was boss wasn't he he's um he's what i really liked about him and i, I, I watched him during the game quite closely because of, of you know we were talking about it before the match and, and all the stuff of howard and and how he was uh how he'd been performing but he's, he's really vocal he, he he gets the ball quickly and he tells players where to be what to do if they're not in the right positions he'll tell them where they should mm. be obviously for next time when they get the ball and he he whistles to players as well to, you know when he's, when he yeah. brings those kicks yeah. out to the corners he'll whistle to someone and you know the fact that he can hear it in Goodison Park when, when the atmosphere is a bit dead is, is enough matter in itself but you know he's always active he's always looking to, to get other players involved in the game um, his kicking was brilliant oh, yeah. those into the corners you know fizzing them high up and, and, and Lukaku was getting onto them so it was it was a really good performance and you could see how much it meant to him in, in the penalty shootout at, at the end when you know, that, that fifth penalty when uh, or, or maybe the fourth when Redmond stepped up he was he was so pumped up he was bouncing on his line he was you know almost like obviously not on the same racket but Man, I remember Manuel Doyle doing something similar in a penalty shootout really trying to intimidate the, the attacking player and he was, he was confident and yeah I, I thought it was a brilliant performance from him eventually. He made a couple of, of top class saves towards the end of the game as well. And it was just, I just thought it was really poor timing for Martin straight after the game to say that he was not going to be in the team straight away because any momentum he would have built up from that match, any confidence he would have built up from that match would have just, just been instantly sapped like that. And, you know, Howard could have picked up an injury on Wednesday or, or got sent mm-hmm. off against Sunderland and, and all of a sudden you've got a goalkeeper coming in there and, and he's thinking oh I'm not sure this manager really fancies me I, I, have I done something wrong you know whereas if he just said after the match he's given me something to think about here he's given me a tough decision to make why why come out afterwards and be so dismissive about his performance I just thought that was a, a really poor choice of words from the yeah, manager I, I, did, I, was, I did feel that was poor considering how much Roberto likes to back his players mm. I thought he was just that was silly that because it, I know you know you know, you like to put one one face for the media and one face for your players but I thought I did think that was very disrespectful and you know 
exactly what you've just said there. I thought he was his kicking was fantastic. Mm. His throws, he was he was always looking to get people out early. He mm. was having a go at people with the way in set the fullbacks forwards. And his kicks, we almost got in twice on his kicks, mm. nearly scored twice. And and as you say, he there's been a lot said this week about because it's a young young back four and because uh, Jags is out needing a leader behind them. Well, I don't see how it's vocal at all. Mm. Yet Joel Obrez was really having a go with people. And I think last week it, it almost felt like Tim Abbott was playing poorly and yet there was no one to replace him. But I think in this game, this said to me that Joel Robles had the attributes that could step in and take over from Howard. So, listen, if, if Roberto Martin has made it clear that, he, that he's his number one, but to be so dismissive of Joel Robles' performance, I thought was pretty poor. Um, and also the fact that he's, you know, that's basically saying, listen, lad, play as well as you want, but, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter at the and, end of the day. And he's, Robles is probably thinking about his future now, isn't he? And, you know, he's, I don't think he's the long-term solution to the goalkeeping issue by any means. But he's—he'll probably be sitting there for the, for the next few weeks. And if Howard does make another couple of errors and, and, and doesn't get taken out the team, he's going to be thinking, "What am I doing here? I'm wasting my career. I'm a young goalkeeper. I've come in and, and done well. I'm, I'm going to move on somewhere what, else." I slightly disagree with you on that. I think, honestly, after watching that game, I think Robles could be long. I, I have seen. That's it. We don't know. Do I've we? seen stuff about him now. Where I feel like, if you'd asked me this time last year, I know this time last year we were saying we wanted him in goal. And we always said we wanted to see him play a few more games. But, um, you know, when he came in against Barnsley, I thought he was very raw and made silly mistakes. And on, on Tuesday, he went for the first cross and completely missed it. And But after that, I thought he was so composed. And the way he spoke to people and the way he wanted to speed the game up, which is what we moan about all the time, yeah. is how slow Everton play. And he's a goalkeeper trying to almost set the, the tempo of the team. And I think that can't be dismissed. And he made a few saves, okay. Sometimes the he he's a little bit self indulgent when he makes a save <laughs> and it makes a little bit more than he can. But you know, I thought I thought he had a great game and there's no re- no reason why he couldn't be a long term successor, but he has to be given a go. Um and it, it what it says to me is that Roberto Martinez hasn't got faith in him. And if Roberto Martin hasn't got faith in him, then he shouldn't be Number two, yeah. he, he should have bought another goalkeeper. So I think the fault lies at the manager's um, manager's door there. Yeah, I mean he's, he's still young, isn't he? As well, for, in goalkeeping terms, so he's uh, maybe he's got a, the manager thinking, oh, in, in the future he can come in and, and do a decent job. But like you mentioned there, we, we just we just don't know. Because the time it, is now. It, it is now, it, but it's not going to change. Is I watched it? The, I watched AC Milan on Sunday. The sixteen-year-old goalkeeper making his third. But performance in the as well in those games, yeah. I've said this loads of times now. We're not in an era of old keepers. We're in an yeah. era of young keepers. Yeah. You need you need to be young, sharp, and have good reflexes. Look, look at all the top young goalies in, in our league: De Gea, uh, Courtois, Jack Butland. He, he's coming through, yeah. and now he, he's looking like one we, we should have really gone and gone and gone. There's, there's a lot of talk linking us, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's a position now where that fearlessness is. Is mm. is an asset in a way because you can come out and, and take crosses and yeah. the referee's always on a your side. A lot of it comes down. I think a lot of it comes down to just simple things like the way the ball moves. Now yeah. it's not this lump of a thing that used to travel through the air. It's something that you, you just can't get away with being, mm. you know, short. You've got to make sure you 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 absolutely switched on mm. for it. But obviously, we did get through the game on a penalty shootout. Yeah. First one since I think 1971. Uh, from Park. <laughs> I've never seen this one actually take one of the Gladysies either. So it was a mm. it was a night of first, and, and and we got through, being rewarded with a trip to Middlesbrough, 4,900 tickets for this game just 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 being announced as well so should be a, a fantastic backing at uh, at the river riverside and um 
it's a great opportunity. I'm sitting there at the game thinking, well, I was looking at the scores, mm. seeing Arsenal going out, seeing Chelsea were going out, and thinking, if we go out tonight, this is absolutely typical Everton. Yeah. <laughs> but we've got ourselves through. We've got a, we've got a, it'll be a tough draw. It'll be a tough game, but it's one we can win and get us through to that, you know, to the next round. Oh, well. Semi finals. Without Dalton, if, if, you know, we were talking on them like the first day, first day of the season on, on this show about how we should be prioritising the League Cup when we want us to go out and try and win it. If someone had said to us then, you're going to be playing a championship team away from mm. home in the quarterfinals, we would have been made up. And yeah. like you mentioned there, the, the, you know, Manchester City are obviously the big favourite. It's, it's a competition yeah. they seem to be taking quite seriously. Yeah. But oh, we, sh- we should be going up there, playing a strong team and getting through that tie. And maybe Martinez is, is resting Joel because he's, uh, he he's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's his priority to win the League maybe, Cup. Maybe that's too. Um, <laughs> And if we did get through, as you just said, Manchester City would be the team to avoid, especially over two legs. Mm. But, you know, if we could get anyone else and get them over two legs and then get, you know, anything can happen if you can get to the final. You know, you play in Man City. Mm. And as I said before, you look at you look at the other teams and you see that the when you get to this stage now with Champions League games as well, they start to take their eye off the ball mm. a little bit. So um, it'd be an absolutely brilliant opportunity. And I just really hope as well, because I was a little bit annoyed of the team we played as well. I thought it, again, mm. a little bit dismissive of the t- tr- tournament, playing Osman and Gibson. With, I thought Gibson was fantastic at centre-back, by the way, <laughs> but playing them both in centre midfield meant that for the first half an hour we were literally chasing shadows in there um, because them two come and, you know not played many games and I thought it was strange playing both of them in there for the, for in the same game but you know we got through mm. we got through we managed to um, managed to use a little bit more of our squad we've been very lucky so far in this tour and three three wins after being behind in all three games so um, let's hope the next game against Middlesbrough we put a first choice team out there and just get through uh, right coming up to uh, end of part one now coming up in part two obviously we'll be looking back at Sunday's game against Sunderland <laughs> we'll be right back on the Blue Room the Blue Room Radio City Talk Welcome back to the Blue Room on Radio City Talk with me Peter McParland and Matt Jones in the studio um, obviously there was a game on Sunday Matt uh, a game we won a very very strange game of football absolutely mad wasn't it it, Just was, it was start to finish really it was a very very strange game um, obviously Sunderland coming to Goodison Park you fancied your chances but at the same time I was thinking Sam Allardyce is going to come and try and, and just try and stick 11 men behind the ball. And I suppose he did in a way, but for the first 10, 15 minutes, you know, especially using the, the full-backs and the width, they, they, really, they really had a go and obviously hitting the post quite early on. It left us a little bit shell-shocked early on. And, mm. you know, they, I thought they started really well, but luckily enough, they're terrible. So, so, so it's the well. There's no no argument. I don't think gonna, anyone's going to argue there. They, they're a really really poor team, and um, yeah, we 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 got a goal, couple of goals up, and, and it looked like we were just going to cruise to a massive victory. Yeah, the, the, the first ten minutes were a bit weird because we, we've been talking about all week about how we were expecting them to to, to turn, turn up a Goodison, eleven men behind the ball, shut up shop like they did last season. But they played three at the back, didn't they? And then wing backs, and I think we struggled to. We we didn't really look as though we'd prepared to that system, mm. and they did shock us a bit. That Van Arnold was getting forward well, getting on on the left hand side. Same with Yadlin on the right. They were they were getting getting beyond our fullbacks, creating chances. And then, but once we got to grips with the system, we we looked good. And yeah, going forward, we we, we looked a lot better. Delafay was really potent. Kone, really intelligent movement coming in off mm. that left left flank and linking up with Ron. But yeah, like like you said, it, it, was, it was great to see us going forward, scoring a lot of goals. But my overwhelming feeling coming away from the game was 
how bad was Sunderland? Because you know <laughs> they were. Po- they, they, they were. Very, I think they were probably the worst. Probably the worst defensive team I've, I've, I've ever seen. They were very, very poor, yeah. and they were. They were. Um, there was nothing. There was nothing organised about them at yeah. all, which makes it actually stranger how when you look at the stats of the game that you know they had more shots than mm. we did. They had sh- more shots on target than we did. Possession wise. We destroyed them, but as you mentioned there, you know, going forward, you know, again, we started off slow. I don't think we had a shot on target again in the first 15 minutes. I think we might have had one off target. Keep wheeling that stat out every yeah, week, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> till, till we get rid of it. But, you know, gradually we... I think, so, again, it's almost like the penny drops sometimes with some of our players, and you just think, we don't need to play 27 passes before we get into the opposition area. And you looked at where the goal came from. You know, I think Funes Mori won a header... A touch in midfield, it fall, finds its way to Conan, he knocks a ball over the top, and Delafay's through. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. That's as simple as it is. You only have to look at how well Leicester are doing in the Premier League this season to just say, you play to your strength, sometimes it can be just as easy to just knock a ball over the top, and, and you're through. Um, and you wonder at times whether we should we just should take that and run with it all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that, that early goal we got, I think it was about 20 minutes, that, that sets the whole game up for us then, doesn't it? And, and it was a frantic game, and it was end-to-end, and, and punch-for-punch sort of match, but that's when we're good. Mm. That's when that's when we when our, our players, like Barkley, like Delefeu, can carry the ball forward in, into open spaces, and if you score an early goal, and, and the other team have got to kind of come out a little bit, and upset their rhythm, that, that's, when, that's when games like that do occur, and that's when Everton are at the best. So, it, it was just... I think that that front three, especially, you know, I was, I was a bit downbeat there and probably a bit harsh <laughs> on, on the team, saying how bad Sunderland were. But that that front three, I thought, was the most encouraging thing for me because we've we seem to have strived all season for for balance in the in the wide areas. With these people like Naismith there, Cleverly's come in, Lennon's played on the right and the left hand side, and he's not really got that that balance right going forward. But I think with with Delafeu's whiff and his uh, his pace, his trickery, he's getting getting balls into the box. Kone coming off that off that left flank and, and linking up with Rom, it just seems to to have a lot better balance about it. We seem to have a lot, a lot more different options in attacking areas, and and all three of the players kind of dovetailed really well together. And that's that's a that's a trio I'd, I'd quite like to see more of going forward. Really, yeah, it's interesting on Coney because I mean, obviously, we've all sat here in the summer in the season and. We've wrote him off at times, you know, I think everyone wrote him off in the summer. He looked so sluggish in the summer, it was incredible how poor he looked in pre-season and never really got himself going and looked a yard off. And then, you know, he'd come off the bench in the first game, scored a goal and from then on, there seems to have been a little bit of belief in himself. And I think what impressed me most on on Sunday was his intelligence yeah. with the ball. He was so intelligent, he was picking out the right passes. I think it started early on when he went on a little mazy run and no one could get near him and... That's the day. you know, I always, you know, before he signed for Everton, I never really knew what kind of striker he was. I always thought he was a sort of run into the channels striker, an Andy Johnson kind of player, and he can do that for you. But what I've noticed in, a, in you know, a few games this season, certainly when he's come off the benches, how intelligent he is, how intelligent his movement is, and when he gets the ball, he, he very rarely loses it. You know, he, he finds good passes, um, and that's that seems to have kicked on this season as he's got fitter and stronger. I mean, early on in the season when he was stuck out right, on the right side, sorry, he, he he had some games where he looked good, but then other games you just thought, you're just out there almost as a foil mm. without really offering anything. But on Sunday, playing, come, playing on the left and at times joining in and being Rom's partner, it just made such a difference to not only him, but to Romelu Lukaku, who looked so much fresher and... and 
you know, we talk about it every week, how isolated he is, but on, on, on Sunday, he always, it always felt like he had a partner, it always felt like he had an outball, and he could drop off and start using intelligence, mm. and then Kone could go past him, and that's another thing we've spoke about, how we don't have any willing midfield runners, and Kone sort of done a bit of everything on, on Sunday, and, it, and he really, imp- you know, apart from the hat-trick that he scored, he just impressed me in, in general. Yeah, I mean, I, I was reading after the game there. Lukaku to Lukaku assist to a Kone goal is the the most common combination of assist goal in the Premier League this season. And that, and that, considering they haven't actually probably played together as much as a lot of attacking units, that that's that's a remarkable stat. Really, it just shows that Lukaku, for for all we we criticise him about his his hold up play and how it's it is a bit a little bit ropey at times. You think back to that game against West Brom when he when he took the ball in and, and then played a little pass down the inside. Kone made the two-two again at the weekend when that that cross for the for the, for the sixth goal just gets his head up, fizzes it in with with the outside of his left foot, and he, he's looking for him, and, and you can see that, that there is an affinity between him and they are they are linking up really well. And, and another thing about Kone, which I really like, is that he, he seems to score different types of goals as well. He's not just a you know we talk about Rom, and a lot of the time his his goals are running onto onto passes. And uh, taking on defenders and, and shooting, Kone's quite good in the air. He's good on either side. His second goal, I think, uh, at the weekend just showed as well. He, he's got a lot of composure in those attacking positions. He he waits for the goalkeeper to come out, has a little look up, and then, and then just laps it over him. So he's he's a functional player, and he's he's, he's someone that Martin has used in wide positions quite a lot of Wigan. I remember and. Mm. He's probably not got the same the same dynamism and energy now because of, of the injuries he's had. But hopefully, as he, as he gets older, that intelligence that you mentioned will, will come to the fore and, and, and make sure he, he maintains a, a real threat. Yeah, I, as I say, and it, Rom looks happy when he plays. Yeah, you know, you, you look go back twelve months and when Rom was playing up front with Eto, it felt the same as well. Mm-hmm. You felt like Eto was bringing something out of him as well. Um, uh, maybe I suppose Eto probably had less legs and more intelligence, yeah. but. You know, he looks so much more happy when he's got a partner and a partner who's got that little bit of experience, that little bit of know-how, um, you know, can find them in good areas. And they just work together now. I'm not suggesting they should play together in every single game. But we've said so many times how isolated Rom gets. And, and it's weird the way people give continually give Rom stick for being isolated where there's not much he can do about him when you watch a game on Sunday and you see see how much better he looked and the, how much of more of a will and runner is and... More space opens up when there's uh, play- more players around them, and I think it just it just suits the team. And I think if I'm if I'm ever critical of Roberto Martinez, it's when I look at the team and just think you've got all the players there, you just don't know how to fit them in. Mm. And and on Sunday, it felt like he'd found a, a good way to fit them all in. Certainly for that game, anyway. Yeah, I, I did like the system we played, and it's more of a four-three-three than a you know the, the four. 4-1-1 one, one that we play with Ross off from I think mm. Barkley was a lot more withdrawn and I, th- I think th- that system kind of helped him in a way as well yeah. it wasn't it wasn't his most spectacular game there was less anything. responsibility on him and yeah. I think that helped because but, but sorry I was going to say but if you look at the stats after the game 106 passes he attempted in the game completed 100 and mm. you know a lot of them are just you know just little back and mm. forth ones and there's a spell in the, se- the second half when people were actually getting on his back a little bit for that but he just got it and kept it ticking yeah. over and then it was kind of just get it bring it forward and then just give it but to the front three one, that's what's going to make Ross a more all-round player. He, yeah. we, he needs to be an all-round midfielder. We've said this a few times. We play with one winger at times because it's to accommodate Ross Bark. Mm. Now, Ross is playing a little bit withdrawn and it is a proper three in midfield. That allows for an extra attacker like we've seen on on um, on Sunday. Now, at times, it, 
at times certainly didn't work defensively but going into that second half it, it did and it takes a lot of responsibility for Ross as well he doesn't have to be mm. the player we all rely on all the time and um, you know a player who benefits from that is Gerard Delafay who again I, I thought he was excellent on, yeah. on Sunday and when you go back to games, and I remember when we talked about after the derby, and a lot of people said he'd had a really poor game in the derby, even though he set the goal up. But the thing about him is, he's always got something. He's always got a little trick in him, or he can be having a poor game, but he can always produce a little bit of, bit of magic. And that's become a more, I think, more consistent type of performance. You know, he started slow this season, didn't get many minutes, but he's... He's in the forefront of everything now. He's scoring yeah. goals, you know, making goals, and just being a general nuisance. What what what's most encouraging for me is that he seems to be adding things to his game as well, which which we didn't see in his, his first spell and in his first season. He was, he was all about getting down to the byline, a few mm. tricks, fizzing it across, and and now there's there's two things really, which he's which he's done loads in recent weeks. Is the, that that flat cross he does into the box, which which we seen for the the fair goal. I remember and he wasn't a great player, but I remember Nani doing that for Man United quite a lot, and it was it was something that really caught us issues when whenever we played against them and that they are so difficult to defend against when mm. the, the, the fizz didn't like that and the ball stepping and the other thing is is these three yeah, the, the through balls that he's doing now as well and I remember him doing one against West Brom in the first half when, when Barkley should have scored we were breaking forward he fizzed it into his feet same against Arsenal last weekend yeah. into Barkley's feet and that, that pass for Lukaku at the weekend that was, that was straight out of yeah. uh, La Masia wasn't it Barcelona's squad so it, it's encouraging to see him become a, a decisive player as well because in games against Sunderland it was 2-2 uh, you know we needed something to, to galvanise just get us back in the game he puts that cross in gets us back in front think back to, to West Brom away we were 2-0 down he goes up the other end puts in a, a great cross for Rom and, and, and we're back in the game so you know he, he's He's mature, he's, he's becoming, there's, there's still areas he needs to add to, but it's good to see that he's adding more weapons to his arsenal. And what I like about him is he, he is one of these players who he does puff out his chest, he does want, he does want to be the centre of attention, he does want it all to be about him. And he, he he wants to be that, like you said in the first year. I always felt in this first spell that it was all about him convincing Barcelona what, hmm. they, what they had. And in a lot of games, I think he went, he went missing and it was... It was a little. It was more about him, but now it's like it is still about him. But it's about producing for Everton, mm. and then you know there's a difference there. And the fans love him, and he, you know as long as he keeps on producing the end product, then then they will have. Don't think fans will have a problem. I think there was one. I think for their second goal, where people said he never tracked back, but. I don't think that's his job to track back. That's why we have two holding centre midfielders. Yeah. It's their job to get over and cover there. Or, you know, that's that's their role. Uh, it's not up to Gerard Delafield because if Gerard Delafield spends time tracking back, he's not going to be the player that we want him to be. Well, listen, he, he got a goal and two assists, didn't he? So if, if, he, if he gives you every game and he, he doesn't track back, that, that that's absolutely, yeah. you know, I've got no issues with that. But like you mentioned there, in our first season, one of the, the best things about Martinez's reign was the likes of McCarthy and Barry who, by the way who I thought was absolutely superb on, on Sunday I thought he was probably our best player on the pitch And but but those two were, were happy to get back and cover the full backs and cover wingers who, who were stranded up the pitch so it's all about doing your job in the team isn't it and if if, if McCarthy and Barry like we said over the, over the last few weeks do just just focus on those those defensive jobs let the likes of Delafeu, Barkley, Kone, and Lukaku just just go forward, get us the goals, and you know that's 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 the balance that we need. Yeah, that's what we've seen second half. I think I think we've seen a lot more of Barry just sitting. James McCarthy did did join in with the breaks, and obviously mm. that led to Kone's second goal. But he, he just sat, and I think if there's more times where those two just sit, like I think against Southampton they did the same. They just sat in front of that back four yeah. and just made sure everyone else could go forward. 
and that that's I think that's all we need. Um, just, just another good stat on Barry is his passes at the weekend. He, he made more forward passes in a Premier League match than, than any player as in any game of the season. So that just shows that if you've got attacking players in front of him. You can just get it and just give it forward straight away, and and, and there's no surprise in that match that that's why we look so dangerous on the break with players bombing forward and, and options for the midfielders to, to pick out. Mm. And I, I don't want to be negative, but I, I, just for the last minute or so, <laughs> we need to we definitely need to improve a little bit the back. It's a young defence, and obviously you know Ovalo going off didn't help things, and uh, obviously a, a new partnership of of. You know, Stones and Foons, Murray. You know, Stones, I thought, for the first goal, really. You know, I can see what he's trying to do. He's trying to let it cross his body and try and catch the foe out. But the foe's too long in the two for that kind of thing. And Coleman gives him a shout as well. Like, I ended at the match. He, yeah. he, shout, he shouts at him to, to, to go to the ball. And he yeah. just seems to... In the last minute, it, of yeah. a get, last minute of a half, when you're 2-0 up, you just put your foot through it there. Mm. Um... And I think that's where he misses Jags, where Jags would have just, you know, been on him there and saying... Because I thought he was a little bit too relaxed on Sunday at times, um, whereas now he mm. needs to stand up a little bit and be a little bit more responsible. Uh, Foons Mare, you know, he's he's looking a lot better player than we thought he was going to look. You know, again, for that first goal, he, he, he's quite rash to jump in and he gets beef for the second header, uh, for the header for the second goal. But, but his overall performance is, you know, considering that, He's just come into the league. It's 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 impressive, and he'll he'll get better and better and better. So I, just cause I can imagine him being a tough defender to play with as, as a partner, though, because he, he does leave his, his position quite a lot. He does, you know, it, it's good to see him doing that. I, I like defenders who are forceful and, and go and win headers, go and win tackles. But for someone like Stones, who's who's been used to playing yeah. alongside Jags, it's it's a completely different, you know. Concept. Yeah, one of them's going to have to learn to just defend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're listening to The Blue Room. We'll be right back after this. One hour, everything Everton. The Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Welcome back to The Blue Room on Radio City Talk with me, Peter McParlin, and Matt Jones with me in the studio for the final part of the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about West Ham, but just before we do, um, a mate of mine's just been in touch there, just text me, Hoagie. He said there, uh, what was that celebration all about from Coney? I thought was he not riding his camel? Is that what it, I thought? That's I wasn't I thought sure if he was riding his camel or he was doing some kind of Halloween uh, mummy. Oh, I think I just assumed uh, he was because uh, everyone's always on on Twitter aren't they about the camel and stuff. So I, <laughs> I thought he was. Uh, I, it looked like he was. He had, he had all the bit with the ra- like the reins and yeah. then he was he was riding it, but. I have no idea. <laughs> Hugs, you tell me, mate. I haven't got a clue. I just hopefully he does it again at the weekend. Yeah, can get a better look at it. Yeah. Um, obviously, West Ham at the weekend, the team that have been flying in the Premier League so far. Obviously, they got beat at the weekend by Watford, but you know, beating Arsenal, beating Manchester City, beating Liverpool, um, beating Chelsea, Chelsea at no home, which was their last. Which, no, it's not <laughs> any. Literally, anyone can do that now. Um, uh, obviously, Chelsea was their last home game where they beat them two one. Um, a team that have been absolutely flying of it under Slavon Bilic yeah they've, they've got a great balance haven't they and you look at the players they've, they've brought in in the summer and they, they did spend a lot of money and I think a lot of people have been impressed by the likes of you know, uh, Dimitri Payet and uh, the, the other lad they've got in the attacking Eri uh, Lanzini he's been good but players that they had last season the likes of Kuyate and Noble have really stepped up as well they've got Carroll coming back the Sacco's up front as well so it's going to be it's going to be a really tough game but they have shown some frailties as well I think there's 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 been games where they have been looked really poor at the back. I think at the weekend against Watford, they can see the two really sloppy goals. Mm. Um, Igalo, big strong centre forward, who's, who's you know who's good on the ball, makes good runs, causes them a lot of problems, and and as a result, they, they really toiled. And at the back, I think they're going to be missing a few players as well. With 
Collins, who, who did one of the, the funniest tackles I think I've seen for ages. <laughs> if so, you can call that a tackle, yeah. And, and then uh, I think Reed's injured as well. He's he's, he's going to be missing, so they're going to be, be uh, short there. Og- yeah, Ogbonna could be coming in the player yeah, that's uh, the one that got away. Got away. <laughs> let's, let's see if we're that bothered on, on, on Saturday. But um, no, they have been they have been playing well. I mean, a lot of their game seems to be based on the counter attack. Obviously, mm. you know, but but they've got they've got this belief as well, haven't they? They've got the belief that they can beat those teams, which is interesting. Because, you know, a lot of teams go to places like Arsenal and Anfield, us being one, and they just turn up and don't think they can do anything. And uh, it hasn't felt like that with with West Ham this season. And, um, you know, bringing in a player like Payet, I think, has added so much to the team. You know, he was Europe's highest assist um, maker last season when he played for Marseille. And, you know, he's just been fantastic for them this season. Yeah, he is real class, isn't he? And... I think a goal he scored against Crystal Palace a, a couple of weeks ago when he's when he's running through on goal and he just just fakes the chip to, to, to shoot in the goal he goal he goes down he just dinks it over him and you, you look at something like that and think oh yeah you know they have got a top player on their hands there but like I mentioned that there, there have been games when they looked really ordinary as well against Sunderland and when they went away from home they they were two 0 down Barini missed a, a great chance to to put Sunderland three 0 up and and they came back into the match so th- there are areas we can exploit and I think if we if we go there and I, I I don't think it's any good trying to sit and defend in this game because, as we mentioned on the on the second part, we we do look a little bit ropey there. Stones and and, and Funes Mori is seeming to still striving to get that understanding together. So I'd, I'd just go there and, and try and attack them. Yeah. If it's another if it's another open game, slog for slog, then th- that's absolutely fine. And I think even though both teams are, are good on the break, we've probably got the the better players to exploit that sort yeah, of match. They've got, they've got Valencia coming back, who I think is a really good player. They've had Andy Carroll, and if Andy Carroll can continues to do Cruyff turns in his own box, then I'll I'll be <laughs> I'll be happy with that. Um, but they're a team, aren't they? That you know, they're, they're a team that are benef- the real benefit benefit. I'll try and get my words out. <laughs> they really benefited from. Um, you know the Premier League and the way it's going, and the new influx of money, and being in London as well. You know they get they're getting the they're getting the Olympic Stadium next season. Obviously, this is the last season of the bowling ground, and it's annoying, isn't it? It's yeah, annoying. It is. it is annoying when you see a club like West Ham. You really have got, in terms of history, you know they talk about the World Cup <laughs> basically <laughs> as being there. But it's annoying that because they're based in London and because. Probably selling the selling their grounds going to make them a fortune in real estate and moving into a purpose-built stadium, which they're effectively getting for probably about twenty million pound, if that. It, it it's it just it's everything that's wrong, I isn't mean, it? With yeah, everything yeah. we're not getting, I think you've got to give them a bit of some credit though as well. Because oh, you look, you look, at, <laughs> you look at the end of last season and. Yeah, a lot of what people were saying was they're going to keep our dice until they get into this this Olympic stadium, and then they'll, they'll move on to someone different. But they made quite a bold decision. They went and got Slavin Bilic. You, you know, it could, it could have gone either way, really. And I think in some respects that they're, they're a bit like us in, in Martinez's first season when when he came in and he had a solid base to work with. He had he had players there who were, who were defensively savvy and they were they knew how to to shut teams out and, and be solid at the back. And West Ham obviously have got that through Allardyce and. Village has kind of come in, galvanised them a little bit, give them a little bit more positivity, and then players like Paye, Lanzini have, have kind of added the, the stardust to the rest of the team and, and made them a, a real attacking force as well. They are, they are, as I say, they are like this new calibre of team, and you can attract players now as well. And again, that's another thing, they, they're attracting players that probably in years gone by we would have tried to have get, but it's that, the fact that they are in London and the fact that they are going to this shiny new stadium and they've got, you know, a European manager and, They've suddenly become, you know, 
important for some reason. And you know, I, I know they were trying to do some like changing the name to West Ham London to sort of uh, you know, make make it look like they were the only team in London to yeah. outsiders. But they've, they've, they've it's it's annoying that they've got the things that we want and and they don't they haven't really worked very hard for them. Which mm. whereas we just seem to be toiling for these things and we we just can't get them. I don't, I don't, I don't really begrudge them. To be honest, as <laughs> as much as you as much as you see it too, but um, like. They're, they're a group of fans. I don't, I've never really minded West Ham too much as a club. I think the the, the fans are, are, have been quite long suffering. They've had they've had various ups and downs, and I, I, it's all. I I quite like seeing yeah. someone new up there, to be honest. And, and someone oh, giving, I, giving I, it I do as long as it's us. <laughs> but, but it's it's it, you know it's like like you mentioned there. It's it's refreshing to see a team go to the likes of Arsenal, mm. Liverpool, Man City, and and just just go and and play the natural game and and win matches. You know it's it, they. They'll have a massive amount of confidence from that going forward, and whether it lasts or not, those sorts of results will be something that they can build on going forward when they go to this new stadium. Those that kind of mentality will, will be instilled in them already. So you know, I, I've got nothing against them really, but yeah, I wouldn't mind a free stadium and <laughs> <laughs> a load of money. Like yeah, yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get the Commonwealth Games to uh, to yeah. side, uh, Joe. If you're listening, yeah. could you please sort that out for us? Uh, but it is somewhere traditionally that we've gone and done very, very well. Obviously, last season, you know, getting the late win there as well. And, uh, you know, Romelu Lukaku likes scoring against him as well. So I'm sure that all that will factor into Saturday's game. And hopefully we can do what we've done most years and go and get, the, get three points there. Yeah, the last last season there as well, isn't it? So, you know, one, one last time to, to, to get the three points there. But like, like you mentioned there, Lukaku, he's, I think he scored five and five against them now. And... It's just, I remember his first season at the club when he came in on, on the second half and, and completely changed the game our way. He was, he was superb that day and, and won it with a great header. So, you know, they're, they're going to be fearful of him and the, the way that attack and free played against Sunderland, it's going to be a lot harder and, you know, West Ham, even if they have got a few players out of the back, are going to be better defensively than the Sunderland were. But, we showed a lot more care on the counter attack against Sunderland. We were, we were decisive in, in dangerous areas with, with our passing, and it's something we're going to have to do again if we're going to uh, if we're going to get the three points this weekend. Yeah, and you know if we do if we do beat them, we go a point behind them. And considering that they've supposed to have had a fantastic start, and we've had a an also also run start, it, it's you know that shows you, doesn't it? How yeah. how getting a few games back to back, and we are coming in the period now of uh, it was nine games, it's now eight games we till the end of the year where. A lot of, all those games, you think three points. We pick up three points here, you know, because they're all they are all against the likes of Palace and Stoke, and Norwich and mm. Bournemouth and all these kind of teams. It's kind of teams that you'd you'd fancy us against, um, or you certainly you think we'd fancy us <laughs> against. But you know, the, that's what the Premier League's a little bit topsy turvy. Yeah, but it's the international break as well, isn't it? After it, so you want to go, you want to get a win and, and go yeah. into that that game with with. Excuse me, with some confidence behind you, and you don't want to be dwelling too much on on, on a bad result. And I think if we go there, and we we can win or we can get a draw. We'll, we'll reflect on the first. I think it's twelve games. The first twelve games of the season. I think we have had quite a good start. Aston Villa at home coming up next, and we'll we'll go into those games with, with a lot more confidence. Definitely, yeah. You know, you look at after after the weekend's game, you just think. We've got goals in us. We'll always score goals. Mm. It's just whether we can keep them out, and that's <laughs> yeah. that's it, isn't it? I mean, that's I suppose that's. That's what we've been for the last probably 12, 18 months. We've been that kind of team. We we, we continue to cause our own problems, set pieces mostly, but you know we will score goals. So hopefully we can go down there and, and, and make sure we win. Would you keep the same same team? I mean, I think, I think the thing about Kone is he's, he's a player who I think we need to manage quite yeah, well and yeah. bring, maybe bring him in and out. So 
even though he scored the hat trick, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if oh, he he'll left him on the bench. He'll stay in. Do you reckon? Definitely, yeah. He'll bring McGeady in. We <laughs> <laughs> did it with Naismith, didn't he? Yeah, no, he, I he think he'll I then, think yeah. he'll leave him in. Right, Matt, thank you. Have a very quick prediction. Uh, 2-1 to us. I'm going 2-1 as well. Thanks for joining us on Blue Room. Good night. <laughs>